This is Today in History, January the 15th. On this day in 1777, the people of New Connecticut declared their independence. Their republic later became the state of Vermont. Also on this day in 1870, the first recorded use of a donkey to represent the Democratic Party appears in Harper's Weekly. Drawn by a political illustrator, Thomas Nast, the cartoon is entitled A Live Jackass Kicking a Dead Lion. Also on this day in 1967, the Green Bay Packers of the National Football League Smash the American Football League's Kansas City Chiefs 35 to 10 in the first ever AFL NFL World Championship, later known as the Super Bowl, played at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Something touched me deep inside the day. The music. And on this day in 1972, American Pie, the epic poem and musical form that has been long etched in American popular consciousness, hits number one on the Billboard charts. The story of Don McLean's magnum opus begins almost 13 years before its release on a date with significance well known to any American who was alive and conscious at the time. Tuesday, February the 3rd, 1959, was the day the music died. The date of the plane crash that killed Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. the Big Bopper Richardson. One might reasonably point out that the baby boom generation has since invested its entire rock and roll experience with the transcendent meaning the day the music died. But don't blame McLean for starting the trend. American Pie wasn't written to be a generation-defining epic. It was written simply to capture McLean's view of America as he was seeing it and how he was fantasizing over what it might become. Also on this day in 1981, Hill Street Blues, television's landmark cops and robbers drama, debuts on NBC. When the series first appears, the police show had largely been given up for dead. Critics savaged stodgy and moralistic melodramas and scoffed at lighter fare like Starsky and Hutch. Created by Stephen Bochco, Hill Street Blues invigorated television, paving the way for more realistic and gritty fare. And on this day in two. 2009, a potential disaster turned into a heroic display of skill and composure when Captain Sully Sullenberger safely landed a plane he was piloting on New York City's Hudson River after a bird strike caused its engines to fail. Breaking news story right here in the Situation Room. A U.S. Airways plane, you see it right there. It's in the Hudson River. It's an Airbus A320. 135 people were told on board. This is U.S. Airways flight 1549. David Patterson, the governor of New York at the time, dubbed the incident, quote, Miracle on the Hudson. Sullenberger, a former fighter pilot with decades of flying experience, received a slew of honors for his actions, including an invitation to Barack Obama's presidential inauguration and resolutions of praise from the United States Congress. About a minute after taking off from New York's LaGuardia Air.
Airport on January the 15th, U.S. Airways 1549 collided with one of the aviation industry's most threatening flows. A flock of geese crippled by the bird strike. Both engines lost power and went quiet, forcing Sullenberger to make an emergency landing. When air traffic controllers instructed the seasoned pilot to head for the nearest airport, he calmly informed them that he was simply unable to reach a runway. We're going to be in the Hudson, he said, and then told 150 terrified passengers and five crew members on board to brace for impact. And on this day in 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. is born. The son of a Baptist minister, Martin Luther King Jr. is born in Atlanta, Georgia on this day in 1929. King received a doctorate degree in theology and in 1955 helped organize the first major protest of the African-American civil rights movement, the successful Montgomery Bus Boycott. Influenced by Mahatma Gandhi, he advocated civil disobedience and nonviolent resistance to segregation in the South. The peaceful protests he led throughout the American South were were often met with violence, but King and his followers persisted, and the movement gained momentum. A powerful orator, King appealed to Christian and American ideals and won growing support from the federal government and northern whites. In 1963, Bayard Rustin and A. Philip Randolph led the massive March on Washington for jobs and freedom. The event's grand finale was King's famous I Have a Dream address. So even though we face the difficult difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. 250,000 people gathered outside the Lincoln Memorial to hear the stirring speech. In 1964, the civil rights movement achieved two of its great successes, the ratification of the 24th Amendment, which abolished the poll tax, and the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibited racial discrimination in employment and education and outlawed racial segregation in public facilities. Later that year, King became the youngest person to win the Nobel Prize Prize. Later that year, King became the youngest person to win the Nobel Peace Prize. In the late 1960s, King openly criticized U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War and turned his efforts to winning economic rights for poor Americans. He was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th, 1968. It is not the color of your skin, but the content of your character. From the man who had a dream, Martin Luther King Jr., born January 15th, 1929, on this day in history.